Welcome to another episode of Reformation Roundtable. This is episode number 42, and this is the recording, the audio recording, of our Reformation Roundtable discussion. So Reformation Roundtable is seeking to plant a Reformed church in Lewis County, Washington. And we really have two activities that we engage in every week. There is, on the Lord's Day, our fellowship night, and that comes under the heading of Christ Covenant Church. That's the name of the church that we are seeking to plant, and we are looking to get 10 families to achieve our mission church status. We're very, very close. I think we're sitting right now at nine households, nine families, so we're almost there. Um, So that's on Sunday evenings. That's our fellowship night, Christ Covenant Church. And then on Thursday nights, we have our roundtable discussion. Our roundtable discussion, we tackle a broad range of different theological debates. And so this audio recording is on women in worship. What role do women play in worship? And we listen to a couple of talks, one by Tim Keller and D.A. Carson, uh, and the other by uh, John MacArthur. And we discuss several different uh, biblical passages, uh, one out of 1 Corinthians 14, uh, one out of Timothy. Um, definitely there's some really good discussion here. We made some really good progress towards unity in what we believe. And so you'll have to listen to that to uh, actually find out what that unity was. And we also found that there were some areas in which there was some uh, some kind of diversity of, of, of opinions or of thoughts on that. So I hope you enjoy the um, discussion. I hope you join us as we seek to plant a Reformed church in Lewis County. And if you'd like to know more, please head over to lewiscounty.church. There's an events tab, there's a contact tab, and you can hear all the other Reformation Roundtable podcasts there. Enjoy the time, and we hope you join us. Started. I'm going to open this up in prayer, and then I'm going to turn it over to Thad, who is going to run our discussion tonight on women in leadership, or women in worship, so... Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, we are here because we want to learn and be transformed by your revealed word. There is nothing else in the word, in the world, that um, should influence us like the word does. We pray, Father, that as we come to your revealed word, that we would be soft to it, that we would be molded by it, and that you would help strip away all of the biases that we pick up by living in the age that we do, by living in the culture that we do. We pray, Father, that you would reveal your true self to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We just got a mandatory to say amen at the end. Louder. We get in back to the home sure right then. Do you not agree with what you said? Are you? <laughs> Well, they let me leave one night, and I did it with a hand puppet, so I don't think I'm going to be able to do it again. <laughs> Everybody gets one shot. I got a What's going on over there? No, I just don't get So I, uh, I don't know. I, I think you guys aren't on that email list, are you? You didn't get I, this email? I think I just got out of it. Yeah, you just, I added both, uh, oh, good. Okay. both Leif and Jalen today. Awesome. Um, so we'll, we'll just create a new list. Because we've, we've got like the list that we send out to everybody who's interested in the church plant. Um, and it's like, there's almost 40 people on that list. And then there's kind of a, a smaller list that just goes out to people who actually come to the round table. And, it's, and so that's, we'll just create a new list for that. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll, so, I, so did they get this or no? They did not get this. Okay. No. So I sent this out actually at one in the morning. I saw <laughs> that. I saw that. Um, yeah. 
because I told Joe I would do it, and I thought I got home. I got home later, and I thought I thought, well, I'm going to do it because I told him I'd do it. So. Swears to his own hurt. He's a godly man. Spent some time on that. Huh? Um, yeah. So well, I just started pretty late because I was I was out later, and I thought it would be good. Um, so I, I I definitely we're going to watch some video because that's kind of what we do. But it's a good I think to watch a video is a good at least a good um, discussion starter. But I definitely wanted to look at some scripture too, um, ne- not necessarily all of these, but I, I want to make sure everyone had this because I think it would be good to go and um, look at uh, the ones we don't look at um, and definitely watch the, uh, there was one video that I sent out that was an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. And it's pretty good because it's two people talking that seem to respect each other, but they have very different views on this. And um, one is very much... Um, similar to what we're going to see today, and the other one was, was well, similar to, uh, different than N.T. Wright, but I would say even less. You, you mean Tim, Tim Keller? I mean, no. Well, we're not going to see, I mean. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, I'm confusing myself, but there's three, there's three short videos I sent, and then there's one longer one. And, the three, and we'll watch two, uh, one of the short videos tonight, mm-hmm. plus one that Joe found. Um, but it might be worth just go looking at all of them because they're, um, they do, I was trying to find different viewpoints just so we can kind of challenge our thinking. And, um, so let's, let's watch, uh, the two, the yeah. anti ride and the, Great. I'm going to watch, uh, John MacArthur and Beth Moore. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a little that. short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a couple so of, we'll was s- it, um, Beth Marvin. We'll start with, uh, Tim Keller one. Um, and I forgot my speaker, my loudspeaker, so hopefully this will get oh. loud enough. I'll turn it towards everybody else. Well, First Timothy 2 uh, is such a controversial passage, and I'm so glad that I'm here with a New Testament scholar. Because uh, I'm really just... I'm just an amateur. So, uh, what is what is Paul forbidding? Do you think? Well, let, let me, do you think we should read that passage? Since, yeah, maybe. Because sure. they're, um, they're going straight straight into the First Timothy two. I do not permit a woman to teach, and so they're going to give their viewpoint on what they think that means. I have it if you want. Yeah, you want to read it first? 12, 12 through fourteen is it? Yeah, I didn't do it to you. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Great. We dare uh, make an advertisement, first of all. Okay. Uh, there's a recent commentary by Robert Yarbrough in yeah. the PMTC series on the pastoral epistles that is especially strong in following the trace of the argument through the text. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the best treatments of First Timothy two I've seen anywhere simply because it follows yeah. the what series is that in it's in the pillar series okay that's right yeah so um, well I mean if you want more exegetical detail that's where I'd look first um, and the, then the the next thing I'd say you you can you can configure that as two limitations or one I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority is that two things. Or is it one thing? Yeah. And syntactically, 
That is according to the way the Greek sentence is put together, it's two things. But it's pretty close to one thing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that is, the authority that was exercised in the early church right. was primarily through the word. It, it was not um, from some hierarchical structure or status. Um, so it, it sounds like a church recognized word-based authority, uh, what, what has come to be called a magisterial authority, a, a teaching authority, um, uh, mm -hmm. which seems to be uh, the limitation that Paul has in mind, and that is in line with other texts that, that, uh, that, that one finds in the New Testament. To my mind, that's the focus of... Interesting. Um, yeah, by the way, first of all, I... Um just to show where we are in our cultural moment, I bought the Pillar Commentary by Bob, and I immediately <laughs> opened it and read that section. And I did think it was masterful, and I said, oh, here we go, this is great. And I, I like the fact that, you know, here I'm speaking as a pastor practitioner, um, I like the fact that you say there is some debate about whether that's two things or one, and there are people, I've seen some people who, uh, not. I'm convinced by what you said, it's one thing, but there are people who say it's two, and. Uh, what I what I do at Redeemer, what I've done over the years, and it's not a uh, it's not a popular position, is to say Paul is forbidding something here, something, and I'm open to anybody who may have a different opinion from me on what that is or how that works itself out. We also have to keep in mind that different denominations uh, invest different levels of authority in different offices. And therefore, what authority meet looks like in a Baptist church or Presbyterian church or an Anglican church might be different. And so I'm open to that. I'm not open to somebody saying uh, there isn't anything he's forbidding, or it, that was not a transcultural uh, uh, statement, and therefore we, we don't have to, it doesn't bind us anymore. So, or it's just so difficult, therefore we can't know. Therefore, well, you know that's interesting. An awful lot of young Christians. Hmm are doing that. They're throwing their hands up and they're saying, since I can't understand it, I'm just going to do what seems right to me. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. It's, it's what a, a friend of mine uh, likes to call imperial ignorance. That, that is to say, um, it, it's, it's the assertion that not only I don't know, but you cannot know. Right. That's a good point. And self-justifying too. It's really saying, to anything I want to do. So I would, I would generally say, he's forbidding something. You show me something and I'll work with you on that but don't tell me he's not forbidding anything because he is but how would you answer that question um, how do you know this is a transcultural um, uh, uh, piece of uh, an exhortation that that's true for all time and all churches? as opposed to greet one another with a holy kiss yes yes um, two things um, Paul grounds his argument first in the order of creation and second yeah. in the order of the fall now, you, you, can, you can wrestle quite a long time with exactly what that means. I, I'm, I'm prepared to venture uh, a suggestion, but the point is it's hard to think of any events in, in all of the Bible that are less culturally dependent than, than the yeah. order of creation. Certainly. It's, it's not as if Paul is saying, no. now, considering, considering the relative ignorance of women who don't have enough education, therefore I forbid such and such. And right. That's not what he's saying. No, it's not. It, it's, it's tied in his own argumentation to two things that yeah. are massively transcultural. Yeah, he, it almost seems like he may know somebody might question. At least, certainly, it is an inconvenient that he does that uh, for people who really don't like the exhortation. The only thing I say, again, as a practitioner, is... 
uh, if somebody says, how do you know it's a transcultural passage? I say, well, how do you know it's not? Uh, especially when you're talking about a New Testament passage, it seems to me that the burden of proof is on the person who says it's not, and it should be a very high bar. And uh, and in light of the way he ties it to the, the creation and the fall, it's very difficult to see how he could, anybody could get over that. And I've heard people try to do it, and I just think they're pretty unconvincing. Do you want to go yeah. straight? No, so let's pause for there okay. and just see if there's any... Um, everyone understood what he meant by the transcultural discussion there, what they're debating, sort of, yeah. So um, what do you guys think? Any comments or thoughts or questions about what they said or agree, disagree? I loved how he said, Paul is forbidding something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, let's at least agree at this very basic point that you that there is a difference here and the Galatians 3 passage of there is, you know, there is no male, there is no female, that, that's not influencing this. There is right. a difference. And so the Galatians 3, which we'll get to, is something else. But I, I thought that was a helpful place to at least start. Like, we can all, we can all gather here. And I was just going to say part of it, too, is I think whenever, I, whenever I'm involved in a debate like this, I, I want terms defined. I want to know... You know, positionally, what are we talking about? If we're talking about a pastrix or a female pastor, that, that's one specific thing. But then you have some of these other positions, and do we do we put those under the same definition? In other words, if a woman is leading the music, let's say, it's playing the piano and singing and leading the congregation in song, is is she has she assumed authority over men in that in the capacity? that Paul's talking about. So for me, I just like to have kind of the terms always defined and understood. Uh, one, the, one more example. I was just to say the third video that I sent in the email yeah. um, <laughs> talks about, he doesn't go into detail because they're all short, but he does talk a lot about the confusion of defined roles, that there's a lot of roles we have in the church now that don't necessarily match up with anything in Scripture, mm-hmm. or sometimes we try to match it up with something in Scripture, but it doesn't really match up. And so... He talks a little bit about that topic, okay. is that, that um, and he kind of the same thing is talking about. Okay, if this is really talking about authority over man or teaching men, then there are some roles that are not doing that. So, is you know, would would that be permissible? And and I think the third guy says that he would he falls down on that a woman can be deacons because he sees deacons as a helping role, not a authority role or a teaching role. This is. Is he from Southern? Yeah, Southern Seminary. Southern Seminary, yeah. yeah. So, mm. um, so um, I, had, uh, I had a pretty long car ride today, so I had an opportunity to listen to all of these. And so, um, and I was able to listen to the one that's quite long, the, <laughs> the, the debate there. Um, obviously, we won't get to it tonight. But one of the things that I think is very critical, something less you hit on, uh, is defining terms. And also understanding, too, um, so what I had concluded by listening to that last debate was there was an impasse over whether or not prophesying is preaching. Right. That was, je- that was the crux of the debate that never really got touched on as to whether or not we're defining the same thing there. And so it felt like in that debate that there was some talking past each other because that point, and we see in Scripture that 
women are given gifts, and one of those gifts is the gift of prophesying. And so the, pro- the basic thesis from the affirming pastor uh, was that, yes, women can, be, uh, can uh, preach and teach in church because preaching and teaching is actually a synonym for prophesying. So I think it's really critical to have those things down. Listening to this, the only thing on this video that really stuck out to me that I felt like kind of grabbed me a little bit was when Tim Keller was starting to talk on denominational differences in the treatment of authority. And I feel like while there is probably a little bit of gray in this, I do think that God has a will for each church. And just because a denomination does it differently doesn't make it right. And so your authority does need to come from Scripture in that. And I think that maybe Tim Keller would, you know, if pressed a little bit further, would probably agree on that point. But I do think that there is a right way to do something and a wrong way to do something. Now, whether or not we're falling into that, you know, is, is up for debate. But I don't think what it, you know, I don't think that, I do think that there is a degree of black and whiteness to this. So I appreciated when he said something is being forbidden. Different denominations handling it differently doesn't make what they're doing right. Yeah. And that's kind of the feeling that I got from it. I think what he's saying that he's open to, um, again, I can't speak for Tim Keller, but the impression I got was he's saying, I'm open to discuss this over scripture, mm. but we have to agree that this is not a cultural thing and this is right. definitely denying something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if you think it's not denying the same thing that I think it's denying, then okay, let's talk about it. But it seems like he was trying to set up uh, openness to let's discuss it, but the foundation is scripture mm-hmm. and you'd have to show me in scripture that, you know, and that's why I think he talked a little bit about the, you know, that is it, and it seems to me he doesn't make this clear, maybe if it went longer he would, but he, he emphasized the teaching and the authority um, and so, I maybe he's leaving open room open to where you know what is authority or, or mm. what you know what level of authority or what is teaching. I mean, I don't know. You, you said that um, Tim does have female deacons, right? Yeah, I don't know if he even calls them deaconesses. I mean, yeah, you just make them female deacons. Yeah. It, uh, I would guess that he has female uh, Sunday school teachers and you know that kind of. Tim does some strange stuff. Yeah. He's got uh, his worship leaders are oftentimes because they're not even Christians a lot of times. So like oh, really? Because he's looking um, music. Because he wants excellency in worship. Um, mm. But but one thing actually, I thought, what's the other guy's name? The guy that was talking to him? D.A. Carson. That was D.A. Carson. So D.A. Carson used the Holy Kiss as transcultural. And I would only not, push, tra- not transcultural. No, as be- yeah, exactly. As being that was a cultural, cultural. thing then, and yeah. it's right. Yeah, not transcultural. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he he talked about that as being a cultural thing that was relegated to that time. And I the only thing way I would push back on that is that the authority is still there, and it's up to us to apply it in a normative way. And so we are to greet one another with something. Like we are to, supposed to greet one another with whatever is normatively normative for our culture. So obviously, holy kiss is not normative for our culture. So we Handshake. do that. Handshake or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder I keep getting slapped in church. Stop kissing. It's K slapping. It's a European thing. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many times that's happened. Like people just read that and they're like, baby questions are like. 
I gotta go for it. Just, just own it, man. Own it. It's a holy kiss. I'm sorry. Okay, any other thoughts or comments before we watch the next one? I think it's uh, hard nowadays, especially with everything going on, like you're saying, defining terms, and you got to make sure the person you're talking to is not just make sure they're going by scripture and not just trying to push wokeness mm-hmm. right now and that, that's what's really hard and i mean tim keller like i like i he was good in my opinion but i don't trust him now honestly mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of where i'm at with him yeah so um did you watch the the fourth video the like really long one or was it really i long? didn't get these in the oh, oh yeah. yeah but um but I've yeah. been following Tim Keller lately. The scene when he does, I'm like, oh, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. The one of the guys, McKissick, though, was for uh, women in leadership. Um, he was very of like the feels. You know, I I don't feel that we should be able to deny them the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, it's like not a whole lot of scripture. A lot of, you know. Mm-hmm other people's writings on it but not the, the closing argument was really weak oh I was like oh yeah. boy it's it's I don't know you the email okay cool that, he, he completely lost the audience right there yeah like yeah, whoa okay we're done yeah I, I, I've seen a lot of crazy like woke things like even about the Galatians mm-hmm. passage and they're like see uh, God doesn't care about trans right like trans things it's okay and I'm like how are you getting that from this? <laughs> right? This and sure. Yeah, it's just, it's just difficult because, I mean, if you have this vision, they'll say, well, then they were just sexist when they wrote that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, just, yes. People just don't listen anymore. I'm like, no, I'm going by the scripture. It doesn't mean they look le- less of anyone for just right. they have different positions. Like, But it, I guess it goes along with people don't believe men and women are different anymore. So it's hard to... Yeah, describe that different roles thing. I think it would be good to watch, and I don't agree with Indy Wright in what he's in the video, but I, I think it would be good to watch him because he is it's it's loaded with scripture. He's arguing from scripture, um, and uh, I think it'd be worthwhile to watch that because it's easy for us sometimes too to because of wokeness or cancel culture, or whatever. We form our own little form of cancel culture where we say if you disagree with me you're just getting liberal, you know? And I think we have to be careful of that also, that, oh, yeah. that it, it isn't, it's easy to kind of mm-hmm. dismiss an argument because, because they're, maybe we think they're liberal somewhere else, so we're just going to say they've right. gone off the deep end, you know? Yep. And I think that um, I've definitely got some passages wrong in the past and probably will in the future. I hope they don't write off my entire theological position mm-hmm. because of, you know, I got this one passage kind of, confused or whatever yeah so. but it does highlight the that trust can be easily broken absolutely and and i agree with you jaylo i i've really benefited by tim keller in the past mm-hmm. and and then i remember i remember when i first started seeing some of the stuff from him like okay that must have been that's just a weird thing that was just a one-off and it was like consistently like right. he would just do these things that that were out of line with his denomination out of line with the bible out of line just out of line with Everything that I'd kind of come to know about him, and it, it wasn't like I was uh, I was wide super redly on uh, on him, but everything I interacted with was really good. And then he kind of got into this thing, and this thing with almost like acquiescing to the culture, and that's why our standard has to be scripture. 
Yeah. Because sure. cultures go all over the place. Like this yeah. whole trans madness that we're in right now, it's not going to be forever. It'll 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 die out, and the next thing will come up, and 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 Christians have to be founded on the rock of Christ. Otherwise, we'll get tossed to and fro too. So the question always has to be: by what standard? You know. Right. So you think it's okay to be trans? By what standard? Is he, because ten years ago, everybody thought that was strange. Yeah, <laughs> everybody. So, yeah, was it was in 2016 when it became not a mental illness, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's all political. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it, and what you said, I agree with. Uh, there's extremes on both sides. Yeah. And you see, like a lot of people stopped listening to like John Piper because he didn't agree with voting for Trump. And I was like, that's stupid. I still love his sermons. Uh, he's I love listening to him. I've benefited greatly from him in the past and still. I think people get way too crazy with it. Yeah. You know, but Tim Keller was just on a different level with <laughs> some of the stuff yeah, he was sharing. I don't follow Tim that well, so I don't yeah. know. Um, okay, so you want to look at the your second one? Was there somebody else that was going to say something over here? Before we go to Johnny Mac? Oh, this is a different one. Was we skip past, we're the quiet side of the direction. direction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Todd. Todd Friel. Todd Friel. Wretched Radio. He's such a goofball. I love him. I can only listen to him for about an hour before I'm like, okay. Take a break. Hit my quota for I run out a lot quicker than an hour. Okay, so this is John McCarthy. He's just going to build it up. I don't want to build that film. All right. Uh, Does scripture allow for women eldership? This seems to be the direction of some churches. Absolutely and unequivocally not. There we go. Well, that was great. <laughs> All right, and the video's over. Okay, so what do we think? Did anybody get any thoughts on Go home. That's good. So, yeah, the, the, the question, in case you couldn't hear it, was Does scripture allow for female elders? I mean,. Look, this. Uh, how can a woman be an elder when an elder has to be a one-woman man? What is that? This doesn't make any sense. How can a woman be an elder when it says in First Timothy two that I permit not a woman to teach or to take authority over men? Uh, there is no way. What you have to do is reject the scripture, convolute the scripture, reinvent the scripture, twist the scripture. Um, Look at 1 Timothy 2. It might be worth just a glance at that because it's kind of the key text. And uh, But this, the thing that concerns me, the reason I'm real strong in that, is because it's an attack on Scripture. You, you want to know something quite interesting? The 20th century is the first century when the traditional conviction of the church on this issue has been overturned. In fact, 1960 was the first time that this began to be attacked. That's a pretty good legacy of consistent interpretation of an, a very clear text. Um, let a woman, verse 11, receive instruction with entire submissiveness. And by the way, this is about the church, chapter 3, verse 15, how to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So this is about life in the church. One, let a woman receive instruction with entire submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. 
This is not cultural. This is creation. It was Adam first created, then Eve. It was not Adam deceived. The woman being deceived fell into transgression. It was the divine creative order and the demonstration of the fact that when the woman got out from under the authority of the man and acted independently, she was deceived. Um, that is the, the affirmed biblical pattern. And just to support that, there's no woman in the Old Testament that had an ongoing prophetic ministry. There are a couple of occasions where God used a woman to speak. Uh, but there is no woman in the Old Testament with an ongoing prophetic ministry. None. There is no woman who wrote a book of the Bible, either the Old Testament or the New Testament. There is no woman among the apostles. There is no New Testament woman with a prophetic ministry, although the four daughters of Philip did speak. There, there is no basis for thinking anything other than that God has upheld this in his design all the way through. Uh, it is not to say that women are inferior. They are not. They are equal in Christ. They are equal spiritually. They are equal in value, uh, equal before God. It is just a matter of the roles that God has designed for them to play. But verse 15 is the balancing element. Verse 15 says women are preserved or saved from what? From some stigma, some second class uh, consideration through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Look, men have leadership in the church. You say, well, how, uh, isn't there a significant role for women? Sure, it's, a, it's the balance of women bearing children. Uh, you know, we know this in the family. I mean, I'm, I'm the head of the house and, you know, I, I have ultimate responsibility. Although I, I want to submit to my, my wife as she submits to me, I want to meet her needs. Um, but at the, in the end of the day, I've given the headship of the family and the responsibility, as First Corinthians says, God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the man, the man is the head of the woman. But women are protected from some second-class consideration through the bearing of children. You know, I'm the, I'm the head of the house and I say what ought to be done, but Patricia is the one who has all the influence. And even my two sons, who are men, if they, if they want to unburden their heart, always go to their mother. There's a level of influence that is really profound in, in the intimacy of rearing children, provided the women continue in faith and love and virtue and self-restraint. A godly woman as a keeper at home, a lover of her husband, a lover of her children, Paul says, is going to have the greatest impact. Not if she comes to lead the church, but if she uses her influence. I actually kind of have a little follow-up to that then as well. Uh, it says, since... In the Bible, it says a woman should go to her husband for spiritual questions. Do you think Bible studies are wise for women in church? Yeah, I think women, uh, I think a great host, the Bible says, are women that publish the good news. I think women should come together uh, to, to pray. I think uh, there are informal settings where women can pray, where they can be engaged in Bible studies. I don't have a problem with women having Bible studies. How could I? There are women who are gifted teachers. There are women who know the truth. And there's nothing in the Bible that says a woman doesn't, uh, can't teach. Uh, she can teach other women. She can teach children. Uh, you remember Aquila and Priscilla, both of them uh, instructed Apollos more perfectly in a way in a private home setting. So uh, this is not to say anything about giftedness. I think women can express leadership. They can engage in Bible study. They can teach women and teach children. But what they cannot do is take the pastoral place or the role of the teacher or the preacher in the church as duly assembled. And that's a guiding principle that will likely help you 
Sorry, Todd. <laughs> we rejected you, Todd. Vanished. <laughs> it's just, I, I feel like it's just so funny how much more, and, and it's the MacArthur delivery, but how much more clear, concise, and more grounded the explanation is. It's like, no, we're not going to do a bunch of mental gymnastics here. Let's not try and like, let's not try and rework this whole thing. Um, no, no exegetical jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, now your hermeneutics are off. Okay, so let's uh, you know, let's let's review this a little bit. No, you don't. You're not getting. You're, you're not getting that. It's like here. What's the plain meaning of the text? Right. So I wanted to read real quick that he mentioned uh, Apollos and. Um, oh yeah. Well, just to, so we look at that. I think that was one scripture I didn't include in the email that I thought later I should have. Uh, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So this is not a new Christian. Or, um, well, we'll see what happened in the end. But he had, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly, boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Paulus went, wanted to go to Acacia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, so th- that's what um, he was referring to, that there's a case where a female was teaching a, a man, and it wasn't he wasn't a new Christian, or a, I don't think they kid or something. He, was, he seemed to be a full-grown um, adult male. That but was, he referred to the setting. Right. That was Acts 18? Acts 18. Yeah, you, did, you included it. Oh, I did? Yeah. Nice job. Good job. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I had to drive up to, to common day and I was going over the email in my mind. Yeah. Like, did I include all the... And I was trying to think of the ones right. that I did. So I guess I... I that one. Yeah, I think, the, I think the thing is with that, like... The question we have to ask ourselves is defining what is what is leadership. Is just the simple dissemination of information leadership, right? So if I am if I am if I'm speaking into somebody's ignorance on something, does that make me a leader over them? Right. So I think um, he was. I don't what they in the first video they talked about um, teaching and authority. And the first guys. It was funny because he said, um, first he said, it's really, there's really two things there if you look at the, the grammar. But it seems like one, and then Tim Keller says, yeah, I agree with you, there's only one. Which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. I think he said there's two, but he's, there's kind of, but anyway. So, so the question there I think they're asking is, is it, is it not permitting a female to teach a man, or is it not permitting a female to teach a man with authority. With authority right. And that, that's the, the discussion about the, the two versus one. That if it's only one, then it's saying that he is not, and that's what Tim was saying, it's definitely um, saying no to something. What is it saying no to? Is it saying no to any teaching of any kind, or is it saying no to teaching with authority, which would be more of a position of authority where you're teaching the you know, head pastor or a teaching elder or a there's something along those lines, and that—that's the distinction they're trying to. That I think he was trying to nuance there, and it sounds like um, MacArthur was saying that he's fine with teaching on some level, but not that position of authority 
where he's teaching in the in the uh, worship service. Oh, and specifically women teaching over a man. He's fine with women teaching other women and women teaching children, but not teaching a man. In, in well, in this case, it is a man, though. Yeah, but, but it's a husband-wife situation. Right. But right. they were teaching him. Yeah. Right, right. I, I do think that that's key, though, that the, that the woman's doctrine was being overseen by headship, by the headship of her husband. So this was not, this was not, you know, just some woman preacher saying, hey, uh, Les, come on over to my house, I'll teach you in a private setting. It was like, my husband's overseeing what I'm about to say, and he's guarding, he's guarding my theology. Because it's the women, it's the woman who gets easily deceived. It's not the man. The man rebels. It's not better for the man. (laughs) This is not a compliment to the men. In the garden, the man rebelled. We did it. No, we did it. <laughs> and the woman was deceived, and so that's why she can't have the authority of the scriptures. Uh, but going back to the women teaching women, I think we got to look. We need to look at Titus two to see what they're supposed to be teaching, because I think a lot of times we come. A lot of times, conservative. Wait, before we do that, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sure. So let's make sure. We, so, is there any? Um, are we all in agreement that the position of elder? Or pastor, there isn't a place for women there in our church. I mean, I, really, what we what we get down to is not a theological session. Is what do we expect from going forward as a church? They, they and is there any is there any disagreement to that? Because no. that's the one thing I think is clear in all the videos, except for well, not empty, right, not empty, right, and not the opposing argument in the long run. <laughs> so that right is he's pro female pastor. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's strange. We're gonna have Women's Day. <laughs> what you know? One of the when when I was just thinking about this, and I didn't get the opportunity to watch any of the videos. One of the, one of the things I was curious about is in in our in our service in our liturgy, would it be all right for a woman to come up and do the the prayer Thanksgiving? This is where I'm getting at. Yeah, these are the right. these are the pickles. Or am I, mean, I jumping ahead a little? You're jumping ahead. I think okay, we're trying to work top down. All right, I, I kind of get the feeling that's what we're trying to do. Okay, so but I think we're trying to come to agreement. Like, okay, what are the big things that we know? Like, this is no, this yeah. is a clear no. I think those are the questions that we're going to all have different opinions on. To be honest, well, maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, I yield my question back. <laughs> well, I just for I, a later I, time. I, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to come from a position of what do we all agree on? So can okay. we all agree that it's women that uh, to take um, Keller's approach? There's something being forbidden here. Do we agree <laughs> that at least that a woman is not to be a teaching elder or a pastor? Yes, yes. Whatever yes. you call that. I mean, there, I mean, there's different names, but okay. Yeah. So there isn't any... Okay, so then we can move on to... I feel like that's the easy one. Yeah. <laughs> Slam up. <laughs> All right. Hey, when you take a math test, you start with the easy one. That's right. Your confidence. And yeah. you... We need a gavel for yeah. right. things are agreed on. So then the next thing is, well, what, what is... I mean, because that's really what why some of us brought this up, is we had to... I don't know, over a year ago... We had a discussion about this, and there was definitely some. I mean, I don't think there was any discussion about this one again. There was, there was yeah. clear that we all agreed on that. But then there was some, definitely some discussion, like on down, like what is a woman's role in ministry, leadership? Can they have any kind of a leadership position? So, um, and so that's where. You, did, did your question in, include deacons in the mix, or just elders and pastors? 
So far, we've just got elders and pastors. Okay, <laughs> just elders and pastors. So the gavel, the gavel slam was not on deacons yet. No. Okay. <laughs> and, and the comment I would add too is in my encounters with with women in the church, conservative, uh, reformed women, and conservative, truly conservative evangelical women, none of them would support the idea of a female pastor. Yeah. These these are, you know. I'm curious because um, one of the things that McCarthy mentioned was uh, no woman apostles and I just barely listened to a couple things but I, I was listening I listened to the NT right one and he makes the argument that there was a woman apostle yeah. mm-hmm. and so I'm not quite clear on where his argument is stemming from NT's or his? NT's oh because I would agree with MacArthur, but I've never actually looked at what. I think I think the saying. I think the definition for apostle was a believer who had uh, who had some level of authority in the church and had actually seen Christ, mm-hmm. the risen Christ. Right. So was he and talking so, about Phoebe, or was he talking about somebody else? He's talking about Phoebe. He's talking about yeah. Romans. Yeah. So Romans sixteen. He's yeah, talking about okay. Phoebe. Uh, the 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 thing with the thing with that, I think that the. Uh, the prerequisite that he's not including is the maleness of that. So he's ba- so basically, it's like okay, we're, we're going to gender neuter the uh, the apostolic label. Label. Okay. So you have to gender neuter it, and then you have to, and then you say, okay, well, what are the what are the things? And so, in fact, actually, there could have been, based on that definition, there could have been hundreds, thousands of female apostles. At that point, well, well uh, they weren't mentioned. Yeah, the word apostle can mean just a sent one too. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to mean big A. You know, the apostle Paul, the authoritative, <clears throat> um, just be you know a missionary could technically be an apostle. There's a place where we talk about. Define it. <laughs> I think they describe there's a there's the initial twelve apostles, and then there's. I think a place where they refer to there's 70. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they use the word apostle there or not. Do you remember where that's at? Yeah, it's in the beginning of the Acts. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what you guys think about that big A apostle then. What, are, what, what is the criteria for that? Yeah, I guess maybe that doesn't have any bearing on our conversation. It doesn't, but you have to see Jesus and you have to be called. It's like it's. You're instructed to call by Jesus. You're basically. instructed and have seen him. Okay. Just that's why Paul was the uh, eyewitness. Was the definitely a big yeah. part. Of it. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. On topic, but um, right. Uh, I, I just thought that was interesting that he referred, you know, specifically says, "Hey, no one apostles," and then the other one says, "Oh yeah, no apostles." As that, that is, we're thinking about this in a general sense. Just like, what's the woman's role in church? Right. You know, because we all believe women have a, an extraordinary a, a a role in church that cannot be replaced. You, you, it's it's an irreplaceable role in the church, which means unless you identify we, women. Yeah, well, it just means that you can't have church without women. So so they they play an enormously important role, every bit as important as the man, but the roles, like everything in scripture, are different. They're hierarchical, and so I think that we're we're thinking about this in a general sense. We're good on the no elders and the no pastors being women. Um, I. I would love to. I would love for us to talk or to think about the deacon thing, and, yeah. but also, also I'd like to. I would like to wrestle a little bit with um, with uh, MacArthur's idea that 
you know, that women can teach women. Just that whole idea, because that's that's really common in Christian conservative Christian circles, is women can teach women. And I agree with that, but that, once again, has to be extremely well-defined and well-fenced. Otherwise, you'll end up having two churches. One is the women, and they've got their own apostles and, and you know that they listen to, and then there's the men. And, and I, I, I'm not saying that that would happen, and I'm not saying that happens everywhere, but I'm just saying that that's, that's a definitely an easy thing to get into, where the women don't want to hear from the pastor, because they want to hear from Priscilla Shire. Yeah, exactly. I want to hear from somebody who understands me. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, appreciate. It. I, I think that is a, a good qualification. I mean, just just in identifying what should women be teaching. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Oh, and I, <clears throat> yeah, I was going to go to yeah. the tightest spot, but I was just going to say one more thing is that that I didn't see come up at all, which was surprising to me is the mention of headship of man and the family. And I think that's something also that's really important. That um, you could, I think you could argue that a, a female couldn't be a pastor just because of the role of headship of men in a family. In a sense, the church is an extension of family, so it wouldn't really make sense to have a female, the head of that family, if, if the natural, uh, you know, God's order is that man is the head of the household, and so, I mean, I think, and that didn't, I was looking for that. That didn't come up in any of the videos I could find. But oh, right. MacArthur mentioned the head. He, he did, yeah, the that's true. Shape. He did mention that, but, oh, no. um, yeah. No, so, I, but I only bring that up because I think that's, to your point, Joe, is that um, everything that's done in the church is under the authority of the elders and the, um, um, depending on how we do it, the different offices, you know, the team yeah. they've but. But, I mean, whether it's a man teaching or a woman teaching, it's all done under the authority of the, the elders of the church. So you, it, you're talking about that, that it should be? It should, it should be. be. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, and, and if you're an elder, you're going to be held accountable for it to God. Bingo. Period. Yeah. We, we visited the, uh, the Lutheran church up in Olympia. It's the conservative one, the Missouri Synod Lutheran mm-hmm. church in we're not Lutherans, so we only went one week. But it was it was a blessing to be there, um, even though I'm not obviously persuaded on some of the Lutheran doctrine. They they were talking about the women's Bible study that was happening the following day, um, and it was taught by the pastor. <laughs> the pastor actually led the women's Bible study, and I just thought, man, that that makes that there makes so much sense to have that level of care and shepherding, not just like okay, I'll look at the Okay, I, I know you guys are doing that, and I kind of know who you are, and so I'm hoping that you're doing a good job. But like, I'm actually going to take take on this burden of teaching you as a women's teacher. Because in our day and age, that's a hard thing to do to teach to women. You know, that's a it's a it's a hard thing to do because everybody's afraid of like stepping on toes or being offensive or you know the fact that we the fact that scripture says that women are more easily deceived. Oh man. Are we actually going to read that out loud? Like, because that's so that's such a no-no culturally to say that women and men have different besetting sins. We have different besetting sins. We men struggle with things that women don't struggle with as much. Women struggle with things that men struggle with don't struggle with as much. And that's just the way God made the world. And so, just piling on with what you were saying, t- making sure whatever the women's role is in the church is always under the care. And shepherding guidance of the section, I think is which we're full agreement on. Yeah, we so you wanted to? Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
I was just say we, uh, the, the the lady who kind of heads our women's Bible study, came and talked to me and, and mentioned a Sarah Young teaching, and I said, by no means are we going to teach Sarah Young in our church. And I said, but I owe you an explanation, too. I'm not going to just say no and, and mm. talk, you know, thump my chest and walk off. You know, I talked I talked to her about it and. Um, she understood. It. I mean, yeah. she she heard, and that's why that's why she was telling me because, mm. you know, uh, in my position, I, I'm responsible for it. Mm. Although I wouldn't be the one conducting the, the sessions and all that. So, anyway, Dad, Dad, what were you saying um, the other day about? Uh, was it the church in Frank? Was it the church in Revelation where they were they they were it was something about not protecting against false doctrine? Letting false doctrine slip, slip uh, seep in. Yeah, and it was there was you know the seven churches, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. Smyrna, Tyra, Tyra, Tyra. Tyra. I just don't remember right off, so don't quote me on that exactly. But but he was saying many things about why he had uh, the the angel or the theophany or whatever had a. It was that you didn't have, you don't have strong doc, doctrine, mm. and you let false teaching come into your church, and that was all it didn't go on and, right. and explain. But it was just a matter of, um, you know, strong doctrine is important to to have. And in, in love, it's like it's a way of loving, loving your brother and loving your sister by the protection. You know, like we're protecting. Yeah, you. yeah. No, it's good. I think one thing to kind of piggyback a little bit on what Les was saying. Um, as I was listening to all of, I guess the general arguments and trying to come up with well, what do I, what do I like really firmly believe? I believe that one of the things that is missed by the culture at large when we're saying that we want the headship of our church to be men is that it's not just this vesting of power. It's also this vesting of responsibility, like you were commenting on, which means that there is a burden on the man that if something goes wrong, it falls on him as being the one to take blame for issues that are happening within the flock. Mm -hmm. And there's a double protection, I think, that is not, as I was kind of digesting this, and again, this is a bit more opinion, but so I was kind of digesting this. There's a double protection that's happening. There's a protection from the potential sin that's being talked about with the the ease, the ease of deception possibly but then there's also this other protection that's happening where it might be a double blessing but it's also a double curse if something goes wrong that guy owns it <laughs> and you need to as as called protectors we need to protect women from that to a degree because when something goes you know when something goes wrong and some people some people are looking at me god has designed men to take those bullets and i think that that's something that is you know and having a bit more of a of a of an attitude to be able to take that where it's not as crushing uh, uh emotionally it might be crushing emotionally but knowing where to go with that and everything um mm-hmm. preaching to oneself too uh you know uh, through the reading of the word and washing of the word of yourself and then disseminating it. So I think that there's a there's a component here in the makeup where, yeah, the burden of responsibility falls on the headship 
And also anything that goes wrong falls on the headship. That passage is in its I mean, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and this is the church in Ephesus that yeah. Paul's writing to with Timothy. He's a, and it's, it's not very long here, but I think it'll be good. Um, the one who holds the seven star, blah, 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 we'll skip to verse 2. I know your deeds. Um, I'd be above. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. I didn't give you a chance to say I don't know what you're talking about, so I appreciate that. I, I have no idea what that means about the seven the golden whip stands. But he goes on. And he goes on. Um, and he says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sakes and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. And he goes on because I think all these churches that maybe Philadelphia, he had a little something want to say against him. But, but this subverting of the scriptures is always going to be there. And, and uh, I mean, that is Satan's job. Mm-hmm. And he's going to use whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if wrestling with that first, the in the ones that you put out here, First Corinthians fourteen thirty three to thirty five, would be would be uh, beneficial right now. What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. First Corinthians fourteen thirty three. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. This is an interesting passage if you go up further, going back to our last week discussion. Yeah. <laughs> um, it starts in verse 29. So this is, uh, this is a troubling passage for me because I feel like a lot of churches ignore 29 through 33 and then just die on 34 through 35, if that makes sense. Because 29 says two or three prophets should speak and the other should weigh carefully what is said. This is all talking about order of worship. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Then it goes on to say, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak um, in the church. And actually, I think it starts even earlier if it talks about tongues. I didn't read that part. But, so. Thanks. We've got enough to argue about Yeah, I know. <laughs> back to that. <laughs> that just going, going backwards. <laughs> we had such great practice. <laughs> um... 
is this transcultural? Is this fastest transcultural? I, I, I appreciate it in the D.A. Carson, or maybe it was Keller, I can't remember which one, but they said they were arguing for it being transcultural because he appeals to the creative order. Uh, this passage create, uh, appeals to the law. It says they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. Yeah. So once again, it's it seems it's pretty weighty. <laughs> you know, the created order, the actual law of God. Yeah, the issue there is the law. Um, I mean, the law plays, I think, a slightly different role in the New Test in the New Covenant than it does in the Old Covenant. So there is some. I don't want to say look at one, but I mean there is some. You know. What what's Paul's purpose in that in that passage, particularly uh, thirty three through thirty five, I guess. I mean, isn't he trying to isn't he trying to prevent women from subverting the responsibility of a man? I mean really, I mean it's it's a little different than the other than two twelve, first Timothy two twelve and Absolutely. thirteen, I think. Um, so I, I, you know, I think Paul's just one. He's 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 not going to let men off the hook. Yeah. You know, and we right. see we see Adam right off the bat. Well, she made me the mm-hmm. apple. You know, in Genesis three, and God said, "I'll deal with you in a second. Let me deal with her first. And guess what? Oh, by the way, yeah, you can't. The the thing the thing I learned in the military right off the bat in leadership is that the the one thing you can never delegate is responsibility. Mm-hmm. You right. cannot delegate responsibility. So. Uh, maybe that's maybe that I'm just you know I don't know I'm not trying to teach or anything I'm just wondering if that's what Paul's purpose there is hmm. and it's um, it's just kind of a it's it's there, there's an overarching thing going on here and Paul's trying to incorporate everything yeah, if we took this literally that would mean that women couldn't sing in church they couldn't I mean they really couldn't do anything in yeah. church they just have to sit there quietly and, I mean if it literally means they are to be silent right. in church so I don't I don't think that's what it means. I don't think it means that they can't say anything. Yeah, you can't tell the kids It seems to me like this is... (laughs) (laughs) It seems to me like this is talking about the order of the the service, that there should not be disrupting, dissenting kind of... Hey, did you hear that, honey? Did you hear what he just said? I think he's talking about you right now. You know, know, that that kind of out of order just... um, Or the woman should not speak for her husband. Yeah, that's... You know... Are we talking about uh, you know, prophesying, or I mean, what are we talking well, about here? We're we're talking about a hymn, uh, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. I mean, it seems like he's pointing specifically to those things and, re- and involving those things. Where is that part of the hymn, the lesson, in verse twenty-six? Verse twenty-six. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and plus he's bringing it all out. That he doesn't want a bunch of confusion. Going right. On. It's like okay, one or two of you, at most three. But oh, by the way, women should be quiet during that time. And but, men, but, men, you should be doing this in order. So I kind of wonder a little bit on on this. Is um, not that our churches are great at it, but I, we have a much more refined liturgic sense of liturgy and I kind of wonder cult again you're coming back to is this transcultural or you know is this is cultural thing there I, I've, I've at least seen some services 
at least in video, of other areas of the world where it's not as orderly as what we experience here. I mean, most people can kind of go, okay, you come in, they do announcements, you do two songs, you pray, then there's a reading of passage, then you do another song, and then the pastor speaks. I mean, like, literally, like, we have this... That's almost the evangelical formula of how church is done regardless of whether or not you're doctrinally sound. And so I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on. And I do think it's interesting, though, it's sandwiched. It is sandwiched in between, like, that, that commentary on what, with, you know, the, the behavior of women is sandwiched between the exercising of spiritual gifts. Hmm. Yeah. And so it's pinned in between all of that. And so in the context... And the other context is church. This is not necessarily exercising these gifts outside of the walls or the formal gathering of Sunday worship. This is as in all churches of the saints. Mm -hmm. So in your home, as we're gathered at home, are you prohibited from doing this? Well, you're under the headship of your husband at that point. You know, I like, so. But, But how do we get around the fact that Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said three times, women should keep silent, they're not permitted to speak, and it's shameful for a woman to speak in church, and then builds up those arguments by saying she should be in submission, and she should be asking, She we're expecting that the husband actually knows his Bible, so that when she asks him, he has an answer for her. There's a big, there's a big <laughs> bar there for the husbands, like, you need to know your Bible, so when your wife comes to you, you can teach her. But it's, it says three times they have to be silent in church. Not permitted to speak. Should be in submission. Should be shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, I agree totally with you. Women can, can do some sort of speaking in church. They're, they're, not, they're not meant to come in with their mouth taped shut. But, it's, but he's saying something like very definitively here. And what, what does that, uh, what's that note on the law? Um, this one right here, this yeah, this one says... Um, so what does the, the law even say if he's referencing... This one references the uh, uh, Genesis 3.16. Um, to the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With labor, painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That's 3.16 that he's referencing. And actually, the other place it says the law, it is written, I had two footnotes on mine, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak in this. I'm sure that one has to do with it. Just cross for seeing random scripture. Were you, go, were, you going, were you going somewhere with that, Kirby, in terms of the yeah. connection there with the law? Well, just, you know, was this specifically cultural for Corinthians and... You know, if if it's not if it's not something that's <clears throat> transcultural, then uh, this may not be a verse that we apply a strict scrutiny across. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the the, tran- the transcultural argument though is like you. you I, I like what Tim was saying. He was saying the burden of proof is on someone to prove that it's not transcultural because this is. This isn't even the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. So 
And, you know, we're not dispensationalists, so we don't think that, that you know, the Bible is just these little sections that only, you know, this section only applies to, to you. Well, this is to the Corinthians. We're not Corinthians, so none of it applies to me. Like, it's, if it is not transcultural, then we'd have to, I mean, that would be quite the, I think that would be hard to make that case. But, but maybe people make a good case for So it. I'll make the case. Okay. Not because I believe it, okay. but I'm going to make the case because I've heard it before. So in 1 Corinthians 7, um, 18, 19, uh, 20. 20? Yeah, 20. This is what... Um, oh, 1 Corinthians 7. 1 oh, Corinthians 7, 7, verse 20. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although it can be gained. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. So some, some people would say that he's not saying that slavery is good. He's just saying that when you were called, you were a slave. So don't like throw all shackles off and run off and say I'm free. Just remain as a slave and continue to serve Christ as a slave. If he sets you free, then fantastic, go for it. But don't rebel against slavery completely. I mean, that's the idea of that passage there. So then they would go to First um, Peter. And there's something in First Peter two eighteen which um, talks about. Well, let's hop. Yeah, First Peter two eighteen. You got it up there. Yeah. yeah. Servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. So that seems to say that this is an unjust situation, but I'm not calling you out of it. I'm calling you to stay in it, be a good Christian in it, right? So then if you go down to 1 Peter 3, now again, I'm not promoting this as I agree with this. I'm just saying this is the... Sure. <laughs> uh, 1 Peter 3, um, 1 through 6, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adoring the external set goes on this. But basically what they're saying is, um, Paul says to, to stay where you're at. Don't rebel against what you're in. And they, they connect the position of slavery with the position of kind of lordship of men in that, in that um, time period or whatever. And so they would say that in this passage that Paul is really speaking to, it is not permissible in this culture for women to speak up. So you just need to remain silent. That's, mm. that's the flow of the argument, as near as I can tell. So, so basically, if a, if, if a husband would free his wife, she could be a free woman? Well, no, it's not a one-one correspondence slavery. It's oh. saying that if, if, a, if a husband is not so, um, what's the word, domineering, to his wife, then that would, then that would be good. Be to live in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really gotcha. But, but if he's a domineering husband, then just don't fight against it. Be allow him to be domineering, but love him and serve him. And I mean, if you look at this, it says likewise, as we subject your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, so you know that this is a. I mean, that's they're saying. You know, some people would argue. Well, if your husband's not obeying the word and he's a scoundrel, then. Leave him, run away, you know. Yeah. But, but this is saying no, no. He's a he's a scoundrel, but you still love him and you submit to him. Of course, not going against 
built you know, scripture. It, but. It's very interesting, though, that Paul specifically says, do all this without opening your mouth. Right. You know, he says, don't speak to them about this. Do it through your conduct. Right. Because what's a woman going to want to do? They're going to want to talk their husbands into it. They're going to want to browbeat their husbands into it. And he's saying, don't, you don't even have to speak. You know, what they're, they're, or this is Peter, of course. Yeah. But Peter is saying, you don't even have to speak in this situation. Your conduct will win your husband without a word. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, of course, it's because of the Holy Spirit. But that's how the Holy Spirit works. Give them no excuse. And it's not saying anything about him being a scoundrel. He's not a believer. Maybe he's a great husband, but he's not a believer, so that needs to change. So, I mean, we can't start bringing in all these different facets and then try to figure it out. Even back in that 1 Corinthians uh, 14, right? 14. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, it was Corinthians. It was a confusing, many people speaking, many people coming up with authority. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with singing. Uh, I mean, it didn't say anything about that. Uh, so we, we just can't throw in many different uh, argumentative situations or facets that aren't aren't covered there, and they and they are. It's, it's, so you're saying this isn't relevant? I'm saying it's relevant for exactly what it says. Oh, oh, you're not. To, you can't connect it up with slavery or something like that. Well, I, I suppose yeah. you could. I don't know. If, Dad wants to do that. He was clear. He was not He was just trying to make the argument as he understood. Someone asked, how could they do it? Yeah. Said, this is one way they've done right. the, the, thing, the thing back to the 1 Corinthians 14, I was thinking about that. You know, What's Paul trying to do? And, maybe, and I may be totally off base here, but what I, I think Paul is trying to say, listen, women do not subvert the authority of your husbands. In other words, Kay and I are sitting in church. Pastor Joe is preaching a sermon. Pastor Joe says, listen, I am here to tell you that God does not operate as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit simultaneously. He's either he's either the Father, or He's the Son, or He's the Spirit. Never all three at one time. And Kay jumps up and goes, Joe, you are wrong. <laughs> See, I think that, I don't know, correct me. Unless you'd be like, okay, I got this. Yeah. No, but, no, you are wrong. I think Paul is addressing that. He's saying, no, wives be silent because I'm the one, or a man should stand up and say, Pastor, you're out of line with that. Or, or could or, it be also... That they're coming into contact with a new, like, um, they're learning a doctrine that they've never heard before, and maybe it's offensive to them. The gospel of Christ is offensive often. And so the women are saying, I, I can't, can't agree with it, even though it's the truth. And so he's saying, hey, just learn this from your husband, and now is not the time for you. Absolutely. That could be, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's probably a variety of applications that are really fundamentally the because same types of applications. Same. If someone's preaching modalism, and Kay gets up and starts yelling, I'd probably be right there with her. Because <laughs> maybe that's not even a church at but that see that, but, but Kay should be going, yeah, you right. hear this? And I go, yes, I hear it. And well, I stand up, or I say, yeah. Uh, we need to clarify something, Pastor. Grab your rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say ultimately, Kay shouldn't have to do that. She right? shouldn't. Yeah. Have to. And that's. I mean, I think that's one of this. I mean, if you look at, I actually wrote a paper on this in seminary, but I mean, Adam was there when Eve sinned. Mm-hmm. He was sitting back on, listening to the conversation, and didn't really get in until Eve offered him the fruit. You know, so that. I mean, that's 
and that's I think an ongoing role of men. Is we, I mean, I, I, I teach this to to Connor early on that one of my most convicting passages in the whole Bible is when it says when kings were off the war, David was on his palace. I mean, why did David get into that problem? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He, he was, was just sitting was back idly, you know, enjoying himself, yeah. and and he was not being the man that he sh- needed to be. And I think hmm. that's. Um, you know, look at Paul in Second Timothy three when he talks about women being preyed upon in the last days. You know, he talks about certain things. Right. And I, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head, but you know. But you uh, know, to apply your passage, let's go back to fourteen. Okay. I mean, part of the confusion that was taking place in there was there was not just women jumping up. I don't know that there were at all, but there's guys like you. Jump it up, and and that's not the you know because you'd be you'd pull it up in some tongue or something. People would be going, well, maybe this is from God. We better. So there's a place after church you could take care of that. I think things got very raucous in their time of worship. Instead of let the pastor go and let's see what he finishes it up, and you're kind of going, man, that's really not right. You're not even an elder in this case. You're just a parishioner. But, um, but but they're talking about the body too, right? You know, right. Everyone kind of holding one another accountable, mm-hmm. particularly when we talk about prophesying and all that. It's not just strictly the elders that are being addressed. In, in, yeah, in I, I, all I'm trying to make the point is this: that when I we were driving in here, I was telling, I was saying to Joe, I don't think I said, you know, I mean, I don't plan on being an elder, but I can have plenty of voice in yeah. things. But I can't jump up in the middle of the church and just say, Pastor Hatcher, you, you're an heir here, even if I am an elder. But I can go afterwards because otherwise, it's gonna every time something goes wrong, we all jump up and go, hey. Yeah, but what happens? You know, I mean, this is a huge. You didn't have the last This is theoretical. I've seen it happen. I've seen it. I saw a guy stand up and challenge Joel Osteen one time. But the thing is, is if if somebody, everybody's seen that video. But 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 if if there is an absolutely false teaching emanating from a pulpit in your church, I mean, if you don't do something in the moment, at least raise a hand and go. You know, I think you're that's think that's wrong teaching or whatever. What's going to happen between now and next Sunday when somebody comes in and tries to correct that teaching? What what can happen in the interim there right. with the people I, I that walk out? You can jump up. <laughs> I want to jump up. <laughs> yeah. What I would say should happen is that uh, when you bring an accusation against someone, you bring two to three independent witnesses. So I think that should be the elders should go address him and then address the church to the heresy that is being teached. Okay. Well, if, if somebody's up, <laughs> it sounds like it's it sounds like I heard that somewhere before. Hmm, weird. <laughs> Whatever. You know, one of the things on that idea there, Les, because it's an interesting idea. I've not thought about, you know, the idea of challenging heresy in the moment. Yeah. And the only thing, the only thing that immediately comes to my mind is that we're, we are oftentimes, our, our decisions are in the heat of the moment are not the clearest. And so that might be the kind of thing where it's like, okay, as soon as the church is over, I'm finding people. I'm saying, hey, this is how I took that. Are you guys hearing the same thing? And then let's all go, or I'm going to go, I'm going to follow the Matthew 18 model. I'm going to go talk to the pastor one-on-one. Because if, if, we're, if, our, if our goal is to win an argument, we can do that by shouting in the church. Mm-hmm. But if our goal is to win the man, then if we go to him and he's convinced, then that next Sunday maybe he has another sermon Preaching where he says, <laughs> I was... <laughs> 
Thank you. Uh, yeah, I want to apologize for the sermon I preached. And in you know, in that case, you've actually preserved a brother from from the, the wrong path. And in people are hearing from from the horse's mouth that this is wrong. Probably not the best example. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's a there's a selectivity that you need to yeah. have. I mean, you would if somebody didn't didn't believe in the doctrine of election, or if they ever had an Arminian slant, I wouldn't jump up and challenge them right. in the middle of the service. By no means would I do that. Yeah. But if somebody was speaking an absolute blasphemous heresy, I don't know what I would do. So yeah. you guys I'm can all relax. Back. You can hold all relax. Back. Okay. Everybody, <laughs> take a deep breath. It's it okay. is hard, though. Like, like what you're saying is, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't go and apologize later? And he's teaching the same thing, and you know, well, in the moment, it does get everyone's attention. But if he doesn't go to everyone later. You can make the person who wanted to stand up look like a slanderer. Mm, right. So right. it is interesting. I know it's kind of off topic, but it is an interesting yeah, that's, thing. Were you going to say something? Well, that's why we have church discipline right in the bylaws. That's right. It's in there. Ready yeah, for so it. let's try to bring it back to. Yeah. I mean, this is really Sorry, good discussion. Guys. No, it's Sorry, good. No, it's I really good. I, to, I, I was trying I think, to find it. Yeah, I think, that, I think that for me, when I look at this, I, I, there is a. It's clearly sandwiched between confusing things that were happening and bringing back the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, and so then when we look at, okay, was there something about this confusion that was being more, that we needed to have something very gender specific for women mm-hmm. to eliminate confusion and to retain order? Mm-hmm. So here's a question that I try to bring it back to the, what we're, you know, again, we're trying to, this is a, we want to have a good theological discussion, but we want to have some practical decisions in the end, too. Um, so, I guess this is my question. Is this passage forbidding women to do anything in the church other than just sit in the pews and sing? Or is it, uh, does it allow room for a woman to do something under the authority of the elders that has been, you know, that they say, yes, today Anna is going to pray for, you know, what, do the prayer of, of, of uh, I don't know, what confession. But, yeah, confession. Whatever. I mean, is that it's under the authority of the, the ruling elders that they have, they've been set for, that this is a place for where a woman can? Mm. Or is this forbidding that? I think that's the question we need to get to. Is there, or does it forbid a woman to come up front and I guess a couple Sundays ago we had a, a very young woman up front leading, right? I mean, they weren't leading worship, but they were mm. up front. They were singing, daddy. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Under the authority of their daddy. I mean, right. does this speak against that? I mean, I think that's what we want to get down to the practical. What does this mean in terms of how we, how women are involved in our Lord's Day worship? And, and, and maybe to even uh, go a little bit more granular even than that is what's our conviction on it right now and how do we feel if it if our conviction is not the thing that we follow as a church yeah you know so it's like because ultimately Trinity's going to kind of give us their their vision on how this needs to work and we will have to um, I, I'm not I'll, I'll be really very interested to hear what Dave and the elders have to say on this particular topic if, if we start on actual Lord's Days, wanting to have women come up there and pray and whatnot, I'd be interested to hear what he has to say on that. Well, but he did speak on it. Did, uh, we were over at his house. He didn't speak with everybody about it. Though. 
so it was it was it was personally he spoke spoke with yeah. Wes personally. Yeah. And so I and I and I'm fairly certain that he would be fairly absolute in the fact that covenant renewal worship is representative, and so you can't have women representing Christ. Um, and the people, the men who are up there as the minister and reading God's word and doing those things are in a covenantal sense representing the high priest. Women can't do that, um, but they can corporately worship like all the other men are doing, all the other children are doing. They can do that. They just can't take that position of of the um, of the headship, the headship of I'm leading this. I think that's going to be his, but I could be wrong because I haven't. I have not talked to him about it. I know Les, you talked to him about it. Yeah, and he was talking along those lines. And uh, right, and, and actually, what he said um, because he was hedging just a little bit. It wasn't like he wanted to say no, women can't do. It. But he said, what we hope for is that we have men that are willing and ready to step up to fill these roles. And if we do, then the women seem, I don't know if he said it like this, but uh, are good because we aren't just sitting back and doing nothing Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like time for prayer and we're all sitting around like ducks and the women are kind of getting fidgety and so they start jumping up and praying or whatever. I don't know if that made sense exactly. So he wants you guys right. to fill these roles and to do those roles. So he, he, he did hope that that would be the way things would go yeah. and not so much your wife can't do this, your wife can't do that. Right. Yeah, this has nothing to do with capacity to do it or the spiritual... Any, anything like that mm-hmm. and uh, honestly honestly most of the women I know feel wonderful when they see men up there who are in leadership leading leading the prayer you know ushering doing whatever when men are involved and they, they've taken some ownership yeah. and some things women the women I know love them Luke, I, I feel like back when we first talked about this, you were maybe a little bit more thinking you'd like to see women have some type of role. Yeah, I guess I um, I didn't see where women would be forbidden from taking on some of those roles. Mm-hmm. That was that was my view, and I think still kind of is my view. Sure. Uh, I haven't fleshed out the whole covenant renewal uh, whoever's leading is acting as Christ type thing. I haven't, haven't really gone through that, I suppose, and I'm not sure how we're coming up with what, what's the justification exactly for that in Scripture. And um, so my, my thought was like, okay, well, why couldn't a woman come up and sing or accompany? You know, what's wrong with this? That that's where I was. Where I have been. Sure. And so I I would still my, my feeling or my, not my feeling. My thoughts now. Hex that. You're allowed to feel a little. No, 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 no He's an engineer. Yeah. You're on tape, buddy. Yeah, no feeling. Caught an engineer feeling something. Uh, never my, my thoughts on that have been have been there. There seems like there's room for that based on how the Bible presents women in the New Testament Mm. on how Paul describes some of the women helping him and accompanying him and doing certain things. And I just can't see, I can't see this meaning, no, they can't do anything but sit in the worship courtroom. 
That's where I was. And I don't think the Bible is very explicit on that. Yeah. Really, I mean, what you're talking about, it's like the cessation thing last week. There's no proof text for it. But well, yet, I, I don't things, know. I, I think some people feel this is the proof text. Yeah, for, for certain positions. I, I think this. I think this is a much easier argument to make than the cessationist argument because the cessationist argument, which I agree with, um, it's it's not. I don't feel like there's quite the plethora of scriptures to choose from. Whereas Paul talks a lot about this, and he talks a lot about spiritual gifts, and there's not nearly as much talk about the ending of spiritual gifts. We're kind of pulling that from scripture. Whereas he's like so explicit with the whole male female roles differing in worship, like and, and we can we can argue you know we can kind of wrestle about what practically that means, but he there's no question he is obvious in that there is a difference. Um, yeah. Well, if I go if we go back to the family thing, if male is the head of the household, um, I mean. I might be out of line, but my wife teaches my kids a lot. Um, she prays, and I know that's not Lordly worship, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't see a restriction in Scripture. I, I guess I'm with Luke, is I don't mm-hmm. see a restriction in Scripture from a woman praying during the Lord's Day worship mm-hmm. or singing. Or I do agree that she should not be up front being the teacher that's with authority that's saying this is, yeah. you know, this is expounding on scripture. Um, I don't have a problem with. I don't see a restriction from in scripture of a woman leading a, a Bible study with other women. Um, I, I don't even. I wouldn't even have a problem going to a couple study where the, the woman. You know, I mean, I, I can't see going to a Bible study where only the men speak. I mean, if it, it, it's mm. a couple's Bible study, that doesn't make sense to me at all. It right. seems like there should be. So. Um, but I, I will admit I have trouble with this passage. I don't. I don't want to dismiss it because there is, like you said, Joe. There's a very clear "shall not speak" silent. And there's a lot of words there that I'm not sure what to make of that. Right. Um, but I. But I am convinced that it doesn't mean that they're complete. Be completely silent. Agreed. I mean, so. Yeah, me too. So if it's not a restriction, like they cannot say a word during the worship, then okay, which words can they say, <laughs> uh, and in what position? And and to me, it comes back to again, under the authority of the pastor, elder, whoever's in charge, if they're, if they're playing a role that's been given them by the leading, mm-hmm. by the lead pastor or the, or the elders, and in our case, you know, like this next Sunday, if, if um, Kirby is leading and he had his wife stand up and, and do the prayer of um, Thanksgiving, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I, don't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take him aside and say, have you been reading your Bible lately? What's going on with you, you know? I don't. I don't see. A, I don't see strong, for, you know. For, but that's. Yeah. That's my position sure. on this. I. I'm definitely. I guess, like Tim Keller said, show me in Scripture a, a good reason why I'm wrong, and I'll. Hmm. I'll you know, I'd love to be corrected by Scripture. Yeah. I, I was thinking too. Like at first glance of this, and just it does look just be totally quiet. And I was thinking like. What does that mean they would be allowed to go, Amen, Pastor, you know, or something like that. But a question along with like the teaching part of that, uh, let's say like we're in fellowship church um, and uh, there's like a new Christian comes in and very very young in the faith and say, he sits next to my wife on the other side and he doesn't understand something he asks her. Should she answer or should she go, 
Oh, that's a great question. I'd love you to talk to my husband after mm. the service. Well, what about in those situations like that? Yeah. Like during during worship. Yeah. During the time. Like teaching. like the sermons being taught and like the new Christian who yeah. just doesn't know what's really going on has questions. Right. I just asked what him it was. <laughs> <laughs> he's not John. He's in First John. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I think, my, and my kids ask me questions in church all the time, and I was, and I always tell them, write that down because I want to answer it, but I can't answer that right now. Yeah. So that's usually my answer, even to my own kids. Um, what were you going to say, Tim? Uh, I was going to say the same thing. I, I will answer a quick question, and I don't have a problem with my wife answering a quick question. But if it's a, you know, theological exposition, then it's not that. That's not a place for anyone in the middle of a sermon. Yeah. I, I want to be listening to the sermon just like I want my wife to be listening to the sermon. I want the new Christian to be listening to the sermon. Hmm. And if they have a question, I think it is important, though, to get the questions answered. Whether, and maybe take note of it and say, hey, write, write that down. I want to get, you know, I, we definitely want to follow up on this. But if it's just as simply as, you know, Who's, who's John? Who's Paul? Who's yeah. John? Like, okay, Paul's apostle. We'll talk about it later. You know, kind of. Well, what I was really getting at is like, should my does my wife have? Is she scripturally permitted to answer that, or should I be the one who mm. answers that? Should she direct it to me? Like, this is a question he's asking. Obviously, do it after the sermon, but would she be permitted to answer that afterwards? Or? Would I be the one mm-hmm. who would have to take that's that? That's what I was asking. So outside of lower, yeah, yeah, great question. That's a good question. And I would, I would lean towards yes, because when I read, I do not permit a woman to teach, and then I would say over a man or to exercise authority over a man. You know, she's not, she's not over the, that man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she wasn't placed there by the church. She wasn't placed there by anyone. He asked her a question. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not exercising authority over him. So, so she like, just being prepared to give an answer for the faith that she. I mean, that's yeah. that's a you know. You, the other thing is that um, women are not supposed to submit to men. Wives are supposed to submit to, to their, their husbands, husbands yes. daughters to their fathers, whoever right. the authority figure is for them. But but women don't just submit to men in general. Right. It's always right. to someone specific within right. So Priscilla, oh, Leaf, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I definitely sure. <laughs> and First Corinthians fourteen, we were there earlier. How are we defining the word prophesy there? Yeah, because I feel like him. Paul is contrasting silence with prophesying. That's that's what it seems like to me. So it seems like whatever prophesying is, the remaining quiet would be not doing that. Um, and same thing with... Well, would you say prophesying or prophesying and tongues? Because the tongues come before that. See what I'm saying? I, yeah, I do. It's kind of all intermingled there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think mainly prophesying because he says, but if there was one to interpret, let each one keep saying, okay, so there's tongues there, and church, and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. For revelation is made to another sitting there. Let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Okay, and then I think it's further down is when, yeah. So the woman, so as in all the churches of the saints, the woman should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. So when it keeps silent, not permitted to speak, to me seems to be as opposed to prophesying. Mm. So, yeah, and he starts it off with what them brothers, you know, he's he's, he's speaking to the brothers who are doing all of these things, right? And he's saying, and the women need to not do these things; they need to just remain silent during this time. 
Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, because I mean, I in the in the context of those two items, right? Prophesying in tongues, right? Is what, so the silence and the speaking would be speaking both prophetically and in tongues, but not in well, other contexts. Is that the question? Some people define prophesying as speaking forth revelation. Like you can be exegeting the scriptures, and that's considered prophesying. Mm-hmm. And then some people would be well, it's forth telling. Like you know, there's those examples with a miraculous, yep. you know, special revelation, why, right? Special revelation, which is yeah. why or predicting the future. Term, Are you talking about yeah, predicting yeah. the future? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why defining that term could you know uh, that could either be exegesis or that could be you know that was that was the really long debate. The debate <laughs> one was literally like that. That was literally the it. Even though they didn't talk to it, they both talked past each other, and that was literally the point. Was what they could not figure out whether prophesying was right. preaching. Yeah, like the so that's yeah. It's my position. It is. It is preaching. I don't. I don't think it's seeing the future. Um, that prophesying is preaching. Right. Yeah. I think it is preaching. So I. I think it's. I see that passage as saying that women shouldn't be teaching in church. Um, so I, I don't read that as some, you know, like a strict, like, no words allowed, you know, right. type of a, it seems to be a, you know, there's yeah. a specific context of, you know, mm. prophesying in the church. Um, it's kind of like head coverings. Like, I don't hold to the head coverings conviction, but whenever I meet people who do, I, I, I always can kind of, like, respect their position on it because it's like, yeah, it is, it is pretty... <laughs> It's a hard one to wrestle with, and if you've come to this conviction to, to the point where you've actually changed your your the way you appear to the world because of your devotion to obeying this, I can respect that, even, even uh, if I don't hold the conviction. And First Timothy talks about not braiding your hair exactly. and wearing gold. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with those, it's another one of those, is this transcultural? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of... And don't wear gold and braids, you know, that's what the prostitutes are doing. Right. So obviously don't give off the appearance of evil. Right. So right. so many factors you gotta put in the scripture when you're yeah. talking about all these different things. And another thing I, I would say is just kinda like um, if someone's personally convicted about it, we it's our job to step out of it if that's what they're convicted about. Everyone has their own personal convictions mm. on different things. You mean yeah? You mean you're referring to like Paul, where he says if someone doesn't want to eat or doesn't feel comfortable eating meat, you shouldn't eat meat with them. Yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. Right. You know, and Jalob's. Uh, I mean, the scriptures covers a lot of stuff, but not every little naughty detail you guys mm-hmm. came up with here. But <laughs> <laughs> you love anecdote. You love anecdote, don't you? That's your favorite. Yeah. But but Priscilla and Aquila. So I mean. Yeah, they the top. So if some guy asks your wife to the church, there's, there's there's a good pattern right mm-hmm. there. There's nothing wrong with that pattern. <laughs> and then you talk about a sad, you know, show you something in the scriptures. Well, I mean, I don't know how much clearer you can get with some of this stuff. Um, the women should keep silent in the churches. I think we need to kind of wrestle with that a little bit. I mean, does it mean they can't sing? I don't know. I don't see where it's saying that. Mm. Sorry, et cetera. So I, I understand, but it's... It's, I mean, if, if we can't come to a consensus on something like this, then I'm kind of saying, oh my goodness, what can we figure out? Um, we, well, we, we have already come to a consensus. Yeah, that, yeah that's a good point. Level. Because, <laughs> because um, if you take what Leif was saying, which is that the silence is the silence of 
no preaching, mm-hmm. or if you take this, the, which we agree on, or which we all agree on that. Yeah. Yes. Or if you take the silence to maybe a more extreme, like where I would do and say, during the Lord's Day service, it needs to be the those that are leading us, those that are administrating the office, need to be men exclusively. Um, we're all in agreement that women need to be silent as it relates to the to the pulpit and preaching the word and op- exercising the office of elder. So we've made some great progress. Today. Yeah, well, and it's not all naughty. They're not all naughty uh, circumstances. Uh, I think I'm in kind of like I'm kind of in the Thad and Luke camp here a bit with this. Um, I, here's again to kind of reiterate the point that I said earlier. I am fully convinced that the responsibility of the outcome of Lord's Day worship falls on the shoulders of the elders. If there's error that occurs at the pulpit, the song selection, during the worship worship of any kind, that is that is the the leader's responsibility to take that to take that burden on. Like, oh, I gotta own it. So just like you know, good good commanding officer, something goes wrong in a campaign mission, they own it. They're not putting the other guys they're not throwing the other guys under the bus. So regardless, I yep, think that absolutely. I think that you look at it from that perspective. Um, the vetting of the the vetting of the material and the vetting of the content, I think, is is vital. And so, I, as I was kind of talking with Sarah through this, it's I I like uh, leading leading song or singing. The thing about that is that that isn't an exegetical exercise in and of itself, meaning that we're not we're not actually asking for a teaching content, a teaching of content. We're asking for a delivery of content that has already been vetted, mm-hmm. and so in that, that is just an expression. And so the the argument that was used by some people was like, uh, again during that debate one that I watched was talking about Phoebe. Phoebe had been sent with this letter to the Romans and that letter to the Romans was possibly and with some likelihood possibly even read by her yeah that's what the that was the, the that was the, that was the, yeah and so the the argument here is that was by her reading it was she in violation of any sort of Requirement that Scripture had set for for women. Um, then, of course, there was some implied stuff along that. Well, after the letter was read, there were probably questions, and so she might have answered questions, and that, mm. then things got a little bit fuzzy. And I wasn't so like, well, that that that's implied. That's very very implied. You're really trying to dig pretty far. But anyway, I guess my my feeling is that these are not instructive tasks. Yeah, I think that the I think that the key here is it's not instructive tasks. It's a it, it, and so the the authority is still vested in the eldership of the church. Mm. It's just the disseminating of that information is being done. There is a con, there's a there's a conduit, and I think that for for me anyway, I am comfortable in saying that a woman can be a conduit for disseminating information in the form of song and reading of even reading of scripture in church. I think that that's completely I, I don't feel a conviction in the opposite direction. Mm. What about 
choosing me. choosing themselves. Well, yeah, so that's no. So that's, that's, that's actually well. And I talk, actually I asked Sarah about this. I said, okay, so so if I'm if I'm thinking about this, it's like, okay, um, what about you know what about the song selection portion? She said she thinks that she thinks that that should be done by a man. She thinks that it should be done by eldership because the body of songs that we're selecting from, like that, has to have gone through a vetting process. You can't just show up one day and start playing oceans. What? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> you know the, the thing. The thing oh, that you think about. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. You haven't heard it. Oh. Oh, oh here. It was only like twenty <laughs> minutes, man. Yeah. Well, the, in uh, actually, I don't think we have time to get into the worship leader. Can the worship leader be a woman? Because I feel very strongly against that. From the standpoint of worship is warfare. You're going into battle, and you need somebody to lead. The person you want. The person you want leading you into battle. Should, cannot be a woman. It can't, it, you can't have a woman leading your leading the troops into battle against the demand. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I was not. I was not suggesting that leadership, the leader of worship. You're talking about office of worship leader, or just no. I'm, I, yeah, I'm saying something. the person who is up there leading us in worship. So, so, and I'm not saying woman playing the piano. That's maybe like an accompaniment. But if you have, that's why a lot of churches have worship director positions, even if it's not like a. It's not like an eldership, it's not even a deacon, it's just somebody like, okay, Luke, you're going to be the one that gets up there, and we're all going to follow you, and you're going to tell us when to sing, and what to sing, and, and you're the director of it, right. and, and I'm saying that that role, and like I said, I don't think we have time to continue down that, that one, but I don't think that role can be ever held by a woman, because, because worship, worship, the whole thing is worship, but the, the singing, the bringing of praises to God is something that's, in, that's a... Uh, it's. I, I don't see that as like a lesser activity than the sermon, or a lesser activity than communion, or a lesser activity than prayer or scripture reading, and, and all of those things. So it's not like we just take the doctrine portion and say, oh well, you know, we won't let the, the doctrine portion because pretty soon you'll have women. Well, I'm, I'm going to open this up with um, this exhortation, and then and then they get a little exhortation from the psalm, and you know, it's like, and this is saying this, and so as we worship today, we're going to do this, and. And so then they're all of a sudden ex- exhorting us and, and encouraging us. And all of those things are fine in the proper context. And I'm saying Lord's Day worship isn't the proper context for that. Um, obviously, I'm, pas- you know, I'm passionately on that, on that one. But <laughs> well, let's, uh, I think we kind of bring it to close here pretty quickly. But um, I think that in summary... We agree that a woman should not be an elder or pastor. Yep. Just want to keep going back to our unity. Um, and do we, we make a decision on deacon? deacon right now? Or yeah, what's the passage can we, can on? We discuss that. Deacon? It's <laughs> Timothy, I know. Or t- is it Titus? And there's Romans uh, uh, Titus sixteen two, with Phoebe being the deacon. Timothy and Titus talk about that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, she's called an apostle. I know deacon. Yeah. Because there's debate over the word deacon if it means servant or if it means uh, you know an office that somebody's right. holding. In the the, the uh, I think that they I think I think that the I think the word um, what I what I've understood is that the, you said Romans what Romans chapter sixteen sixteen is yeah. the servant word in Romans sixteen the same yeah. as the servant it's the same word but that word, word can also be it, that word can also be translated in like eight different ways too like it's not a 
it's a it's a it's a it's a strange it's a strange word. It's not. It's a, like diakonos. It's yeah, yeah diakonos. It's a servant minister, a person who renders service and help to others in some contexts. Um, I've heard it described as like a somebody who waits on people. Yeah. Um, but it is. Uh, so let's, let's read it. Uh, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, where, where's the... So this is obviously only talking about men. You were saying yeah. that there's another section that I wasn't listening to. No, it's, it's in Romans 16, it describes Phoebe as a deacon. Verse 1, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church. And so that's, I mean, it, it right. sounds to me like it's an office. I don't know. I mean, a deacon of the church. That, that sounds like a kind of a formal. Yeah. And he's asking, he's sending this kind of a letter of recommendation. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of, of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. So it sounds like she's been sent to carry out a role of something, you know, kind of maybe official. I don't know. It, it's, it is I mean, a. Can you look, uh, click on the word patron there, too? Because you can get the. Are you, are you able to get the Greek and the word patron? Where's patron? Uh, down at the bottom there. For she has, has been a patron of many. Oh, yeah. Prostasis, a feminine of derivative of a patroness, assistant sucker. So if you're offering sucker, she's a sucker. Huh? She's a, she's a sucker. sucker whore. Uh, that's uh, yeah. The uh, yeah, Charles. Uh, double. Uh, yeah. Misleading. Kind of talk out of both sides. Deceptive. Sort of. Yeah, you, you're saying things that aren't true. Say one thing. Kind of like a double-minded man. You're saying one thing and then saying something. It seems like the exact opposite. So kind of contradicting yourself. Yeah. So this, to me, um, uh, there's no question. It's the same. It's the same Greek word as being used here. Mm-hmm. Um, Could the context? But I think the context tells you everything. This is mm-hmm. telling you, like, if you want to be a deacon, this is what you have to do. It even says likewise. Deacons, likewise. Just like the... Exactly. Just like the overseas. Yeah. What's the word for uh, wives there? Um, gyne? Probably from the base. A woman, speci- specifically a wife. It's yeah, translated so as woman and wife. So there's no other way to... Can't be spouse or anything like that. <laughs> there's no other way to, like... In the message, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. translated as spouse. But then in verse twelve, it kind of doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I love the message. April Fools. <laughs> so let's see. In this case, husband could mean wife, and wife could mean husband. <laughs> what what, so, what software are you using? What this is, is uh, Olive Tree. Olive Tree. All three. It's awesome. My uh, my fr- uh, they're based out of Spokane. The the they, they've been around for like twenty five years. Okay. That's super. That's super helpful so for uh, layman like me. Uh-huh. I know no Greek. Yeah. 
Um, so what do we think about deacons? Or, I mean, I see this, and I see deacons need to be men as well. Um, I know we've had, not, maybe not ever sees that. I don't think I've seen the exhaustive arguments, but, you know, looking at some of the, like, the main arguments, meaning, I think, from what I've heard, not just today, but in a couple others, you know, the main argument seems to be Phoebe. And, okay, same group word, totally different context. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that the, the scripture allows for room for the, that. Our church has deaconesses mm-hmm. in our church. It, it, is that an office that they, what is that an office for? It, 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 in, in their office, they have no authority over for sure, but do they are they held to like a standard like oh you don't qualify to be a deaconess? Yeah, yeah they, so. they we they there is the standard applied obviously minus a couple of the things, but you know of, of good repute. Uh, so wife, so you would husband. use this as the as the basis, basis. yeah. Gotcha. Um, and 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 on the uh, they do a lot. I mean, oh yeah. I mean they do a ton of things. Um, but you know, that's my I, my wife is Kay is a deaconess at our right. church, and I've told her, listen, you know, no matter what you guys are doing, the elders are still responsible. Yeah. So we're going to be at least read in on everything mm-hmm. for sure, and the deaconesses don't have any beef with that at all. But they're they're they they, they do the, uh, the the wedding. Uh, what do you call those things? What do you call it? Coordinator. Uh, when they had the little party before the wedding, showers. Showers. They do the showers. Yeah. The baby showers and. Right. No, they do a lot. Of, you know. Oh, yeah. the, we have one deaconess. She sets up the communion table, mm-hmm. and uh, right. puts out the elements and the ra- raise everything and all that. I mean, everybody's got a little piece of something that they do. So. Uh, right. Well, the, Phoebe would have been would be a deaconess. Yeah. And so I would love to hear from a trustworthy somebody trustworthy. Like a, a theology of deaconesses, like is how that, that completely separate office possible? Is it or is it an office at all? You know, is it just something that it, it, it's not a part of the church? It's not part of the, the leadership. It's a sermon. But it's a, but it's the church exactly. <laughs> but it's exactly it's like trying to be biblical in how women are serving in those in those roles. I, mean, I don't think it's an office either. I think it's the the other word from the New American Standards they use is servant. Servant, yeah, mm-hmm. which is. Not demeaning by any means. Yeah, they should all be. That's what ESV serving. does too. Yeah, ESV. There is a there is another word that's more commonly translated as servant. And that's uh, doulos, 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 doulos. Like in Philippians, this is Paul and Timothy, doulos of Christ Jesus, hmm. servants of Jesus Christ. Um, I think there's there's a couple letters that start that way. They describe themselves as servants, using that word doulos, not deacon. Yeah. Is that is that also more easily translated to slave? Because I think I've read this, a slave of Christ Bonds Jesus, yes. bond servant of Christ Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so servant, slave. Yeah. So, so there is a little different connotation maybe into what's happening here. Yeah, Paul and Timothy aren't describing themselves as some office of some church. They're just saying we're servants of the of the of Christ. Right. That's that's our main identity. I mean, that's all of our identity. Ellie. Because the Bible says not to do what he said. The Bible says not to make women pastors. Why do people do it? Um, because man is in eternal rebellion against God. 
I, it really is because people people have a they, they see this and they and they come up with a different conviction and, and it's a conviction that you have to get generally by trying to get around what the, what the Bible let's be honest if the Bible says not to be a glutton why did I eat so much last night so well done Ted do we do we want to finish this? I mean, I I, I have no problem. I, I think that again, this is pretty clear. That I mean, the, like like Luke said, the uh, the Phoebe argument I think can easily be dismissed in the sense that this is that word can be translated doesn't have to be translated as a deacon as an official position. Mm-hmm. There definitely seems to be in the New Testament elders and deacons that are clearly defined in this passage mm-hmm. here. But there are also words that are, the Greek words are used other places. Um, that don't mean the same, and that's why I think it's so confusing. A lot of denominations have elders and presbyters and deacons and uh, bishops, and all those are words that come from the New Testament. But it's they're not they're not necessarily being used in the church the way they're described in the New Testament because they show up in different places in the New Testament, right. and that's one of the issues of dealing with a Greek a Greek. Uh, but so you got to go with what I mean. This seems to be very clearly saying mm-hmm. that a deacon, like a elder, yeah. has kind of the same requirements. So yeah. it seems like the the burden of proof would be to say, okay, if you think it's not this, yeah. how do you get around it being the? I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I think I think with the so definitely in uh, in title, I I'm I'm convinced that deacons should be Ben. However, one of the things that I think can be a, uh, a problem is when um, we are requiring of the women of our church to perform tasks that are supposed to be managed by deacons without giving them a title. So they're doing all the work, <laughs> but no title in there. And I think that, that, I think that for me, like, I, hold to, I, I hold to that conviction that deacons should be men. But men should be doing the work. Like, don't be like saying, "Oh yes, I've got this title here, and I'm your this title is being withheld from you, and also I'm going to sit by passively." Mm. Because I think that that's part of that part of what happens in churches is you get you get people in a title position who should be vetted, and most of this is due to poor vetting. You get people who are in a titled position who sit back passively while they're allowing other people who are actually acting more deacon-like than they are or acting more servant-like than they are, and you just end up with this kind of deadweight title. And so if we're going to hold to the conviction, which I believe we should, that men need to be deacons, then we need to fill that role, that role right. with men who are actively acting like deacons. And that's something that Hatcher has said that I am like – 100% on board with mm-hmm. is that elders should be men who are acting like elders before they were given the title of elder. Right. Deacons should be people who are acting like deacons before they're given the title of deacon. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is critical. Yep. So, we agree elders should be only men. Um, any digress- disagreement? I, I think maybe a good summary would be we need to maybe look into a little more exactly what a deacon is, their role. It seems like we've talked about the, the Biblical eldership, but we mm-hmm. haven't really talked about right. what a deacon is, so it might be good to yep. kind yeah. of really work that out. Um, but any objection to this saying that it, they should be men? Once we establish what a 
biblical deaconess. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but there is still some di- discussion about exactly the women's role in the worship. Yes. However, do we are we also okay with, it seems like maybe the fact, <coughs> but we'll look into it more, mm-hmm. that Dave has an expected role they would play, and so we'd have to be submit to that for two years, it sounds like. And and I would I'll be clear if his role if his expectation is different than what I think it is and, and he's okay with women doing the prayers and that kind of thing I'll submit to it it's yeah. it's it's not that's not the hill I'm I'm ready to die on but I definitely have a conviction on it um, and and so I'm willing to submit on that on that end I guess the question is are we willing to submit the other way as well if it's not if your wives don't get to go up there to do the prayer of Thanksgiving. Elizabeth's going to be disappointed, but... <laughs> Ava, did you have a question? It says, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, so if you're not married, can you be a deacon? Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, I think they're just saying you can't be the husband of two wives. That's definitely they're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> We've made that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's still up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> we got two years. We're waiting on that. Yeah, All bets are off. Right. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, should we close the yeah, I enjoy a good question. Yeah. yeah. Did did the consensus for the bylaws go forward? Yes, it okay, did. I was just curious. Yep. And I, and after we pray, I've got a I've got a couple of announcements okay. to make on that. So. Well, we thank you that. Um, well, I thank you just for this group of men that are submitted to um, the truth of your word. That we uh, um, we do not argue on our own opinions or on our. Um, feelings or on our our thoughts, but we submit all of our words and discussion before um, your your word. And we, we know that your word is the only source of truth and that all, um, all discussions and um, everything has to come back and be submitted to you. And we thank you, um, Lord, we pray that you would continue to lead this group, uh, direct us in the uh, forming of this church. We submit all of our plans and hopes and dreams and all that we have have put into this. We submit it all to you and and say, Lord, um, have your uh, have your will in us Mm -hmm. and through us. Mm -hmm. We thank you um, for your spirit that you sent your spirit to um, direct us, to strengthen us, to give us hope, to interpret scripture for us, to remind us of scripture. And again, we submit to the work of your spirit in us Um, and. uh, may we be quick to repent when we get out of line um, and we may we be quick to to obedience when we're called upon something mm-hmm. and maybe be quick to forgive one another when we um, when that is necessary we just thank you and praise you Lord in Christ's name we pray amen amen amen, amen.